the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On the board, you will see a cost analysis for construction of a 30,000 square foot facility, which will encompass both factory and office space and is fully serviced by all utilities, a railroad spur line and a four-bay shipping dock. You will see the final bottom line requires the factoring in of not just the material and construction costs, but also the architect's fees and the costs of land servicing. Oh, you left out a bunch of stuff. Oh, really? Like what, for instance? Well, first of all, you're going to have to grease the local politicians for the sudden zoning problems that always come up. Then there's the kickbacks to the carpenters. And if you plan on using any cement in this building, I'm sure the team should like to have a little chat with you. And that'll cost you. Oh, and don't forget a little something for the building inspectors. Then there's a long-term cost, such as waste disposal. I don't know if you're familiar with who runs that business, but I assure you it's not the Boy Scouts. And welcome to the main event. I opened up with that clip from that movie, uh, Back to School, as as uh, one mention of Donald Trump this week. You know, uh, we don't have a lot of uh, stuff on the show this week with Donald Trump, but you know, uh, all the all the stuff that he was saying when he was building his empire in Democrat land, New York City, and all the statements that Je- uh, Jeb Bush put on the little ad against him to show, you know, what he's building his his uh, empire in, in Democrat town and having to kind of go along with what's going on in in New York City. I'll tell you that Don and I were in there. Walking through uh, Times Square during the re-election of uh, George W. Bush and wearing a shirt said Bush Cheney 2004, and uh, someone actually even came out from a store and said, "Hey, where'd you get that shirt?" And I said, "From uh, Republican uh, campaign uh, uh, campaign headquarters in Riverside," and we actually went there and got it. And he goes. I like it, but I could never wear it here. That's how bad it is in New York. And uh, so uh, when you see stuff that comes out of Trump's mouth and he says, hey, at the time I was a builder and this is the stuff I had to do, uh, I'm familiar with that and I'm okay with that. And we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, just not as much uh, Trump stuff. So I thought I'd give you that one uh, that one uh, hit there at the beginning. But first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Marina Valley. Also offices in Temecula, Corona, Orange, Downey, and Westlake Village to service all of Southern California for all your real estate financing needs. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities in real estate right now, and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're calling from work and you don't want your neighbors to know what you're doing and you don't want your boss to know that you're stealing time, 
Wait till your lunch break and go on to edhoffman.net. Click on apply now. Put in, enter in as much information as you want me to have and let me know how much information you want from me and you'll hear back from myself or uh, one of my teammates, Alex Rojas, Randy Sampius, Matt Bradbury, or Justin Clark, and we will uh, get you all the information you need to make the decisions that you need to make to get to where you want to go. If you hear something that you want uh, repeated, you can get a, also on edhoffman.net. You can click listen to the main event, hear this show as well as four past shows. Also, get a, get my podcast on iTunes. Uh, go on to iTunes on your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, uh, or your computer and search Ed Hoffman, and you can subscribe for free. It'll download once a week, and you can listen anytime you want. And you also get it on uh, AM590, The Answer. So, uh, see, what else did I forget to say? If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can get me at Ed Hoffman, at A-E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. I tweet about current events all week long, and you can uh, like like the show on Facebook by going to the main event, 590, and find the show page. Okay, there's all my public service stuff that I have to say. Um, so uh, today we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, and I have an in-guest, uh, in-studio guest, my favorite uh, sidekick in here, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes and uh, Right Wing Wacko. Uh, <laughs> Scott, welcome back. Ed, it's great to be back as part of the posse, and it seems like it's been a couple weeks since I've been here, but you know, the place still looks the same, Ed. Yeah, it does, and it feels the same, and uh, hopefully the listeners say, say uh, I hope it's the same, or hope it's sounds different however it comes out well it's just going to be better and better exactly it's going to be we're the we're the we're the mark and brian of uh of talk radio hey so i understand uh you uh heard back from your uh heard back from your congress congress person well i did and look i want to say this that if you're out there listening to us and you don't hear another word that we say over the next hour you better listen up and you better listen good uh the iran nuclear deal is going to be coming down to a vote here pretty soon congress is going to reconvene on september the 8th and this is going to be one of the first orders of business that they're going to take up if this thing happens it's going to be the worst thing that obama has done since he's been president we're talking millions of lives at stake this is a serious serious matter and i truly believe that if they the American people rise up, make their voices heard, send emails, make phone calls that this thing won't happen. So I, I'm asking everybody who's listening and, and to tell everybody that they know, please call your representatives, send the emails. Uh, it only takes five minutes. Look, I, I know what you're thinking. I don't have time for this, Ed and Scott. I got to take my dog to the groomer on Monday and, and I go bowling with my sister on Tuesday. It's like, look, that's a bunch of crap. This should be the priority of your week. Uh, and I know what else you're saying. You're saying, okay, look, I don't even know how to get a hold of my representative. We've made it easy for you. Go on to edhoffman.net. You'll see a list of all your district representatives. They're right there. I can tell you our two senators, Boxer and Feinstein. Okay, those are easy. They're a couple of morons, but hey, there are senators. You need to send those emails to them as well. Um, I, I, you know, and I also know you're probably thinking, you know, in the words of Hillary Clinton. What difference at this point does it make? It makes a lot of difference, Hillary. Let me tell you why it makes a difference. I sent several emails uh, while I was uh, while I've been away. I sent one to Judy Chu. I live in Upland. Judy Chu is the de- Democrat representative uh, for my district. Didn't hear back from her. I also own a business in Redlands. Uh, Pete Aguilar is the representative there. He's also a Democrat. Pete Aguilar is the former mayor of Redlands. He's now the congressional representative for that district. Um, and what I thought I'd do is just kind of read you my my quick email to Pete and the response. That 
that I did get back from him because I think this is important. Uh, I, by the way, I had heard that um, there was a group of uh, congressional representatives that were actually going to Israel, and I thought that was important. I, I know I haven't told you this, Ed, but I'm going to Israel in October. Hey, thanks for the invite. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's through a Catholic church thing. I didn't think you'd want to go, really. Because but, I'm not Catholic? Well, you know, it's 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 almost more of a pilgrimage, you know, as well as a uh, as an opportunity to go back. Hey, but if you want to come, you can come. I was brought up Jewish. No, I know that. So I should be. I should go to Israel. But you should. You should. Off, but Israel's awful close to a dangerous spot in the world. Well, you know, we're also... It we is are, a very... We are going to be going into Palestine, Palestinian territories as well, because Bethlehem is actually part of the Palestinian territories. You know how you like to wear provocative shirts? Uh, Yeah. I have a black shirt. It's all black in big white letters. It says infidel across the chest. I thought I'd wear that. What do you think? You should, you should have a picture. You should have your wife take a picture on your iPhone and, and blast that out. Send that would it, be hilarious. Send it to me. I'll put it on our Facebook page and I'll tweet it. I will do that. And I'll have my arm around, you know, a Palestinian Hamas guy or something like that when I do it. Nice. <laughs> nice. I hope you come back. I hope, Make sure you send it from your iPhone from Israel or Palestine. So Got it. And by the way, if this is my last show here, I just want to say it's been great. Okay, um, so let me get back to my well, you'll email. Be back. You'll be back in two weeks. You're not going. Oh, to, that's true. I got at least one over. more before I go. Uh, so here's my letter to Pete Aguilar, congressional representative. Uh, Dear Pete, I'm writing to you in regards to the current Iranian nuclear deal. I understand you just returned from Israel. I hope you had a great trip. I'm going for the first time myself in October, and I hope that it has convinced you to vote no on this deal. As a business owner, in parentheses, Don's Bikes in Redlands, this issue has me gravely concerned, and I feel that it will be the most important vote you will cast as our representative. Many prominent Democrats are coming out against this deal, and I, along with thousands of people in your district, are hoping that you stand with them. There's too much at stake to make the wrong choice. Feel free to let me know your thoughts. Thank you for your time, Scott McAfee. Uh, next day, I get an email back from uh, Pete. Uh, it says, thanks for the email, Scott. I know you'll have a great time in Israel. It was an amazing country, rich with history, culture, and incredible people. I've talked to supporters and opponents of the deal. I've met with the prime minister and the president of Israel. I've talked to foreign ministers of, the European, of our European allies, nuclear experts, academics, and diplomats serving under the past three presidents, and also have participated in more than a few classified briefings. I haven't taken a position on the deal yet, but have spoken recently to Jewish members of the congressional delegation on both sides of this issue. By the way, what Jewish person who's part of the congressional delegation is against is for this deal? I don't know. You know what? I'm going to be spending uh, the weekend with my Jewish sister uh, out at the river this weekend. I'd love to know what she thinks about this. I am going to. Well, I know what she thinks. She thinks it's dangerous, but I, I made a, I made a comment that. Can you admit that your your vote for Obama was the wrong vote? And she said, "Well, I'm counting on Congress not passing it." Uh, you know, good good luck. This this thing's going to be close. It's going to be really close. Um, final comments from Pete Timo. There isn't consensus in any corner. Clearly, my job is to represent my region and our country, and to think through the alternatives to a deal as well. I'll make an announcement when I've reached a decision. But I can comfortably say that I have spent more time on this deal than any single issue Congress has faced by a wide margin. The residents of this area would expect no less for a weighty decision. Pete. Um, look, I appreciate the fact he's thinking about it. I appreciate the fact he's a Democrat. I'm sure he's under a lot of pressure to go along with this deal. Um, but I think if enough Americans, particularly if your representative is a Democrat, uh, if enough representatives hear enough from all of you, this thing will fail and it needs to fail. If you're in California, your representative is a Democrat. Mine, when I wrote to uh, to Mark Ticano, 
uh, he said, I really don't take a stand on anything that doesn't have to do with gay rights was the was the response I got. So I sent him back a response to his response and he never responded. Um, he didn't exactly say that, but it paraphrased. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, uh, you know, Mark Takano apparently cares more about gay rights than anything else. Uh, being the first openly gay uh, mixed uh, mixed race uh, uh, congressman ever elected, although he wasn't openly gay until he introduced himself on the on the House floor. Well, great. And of course, I would still argue that this does have to do with gay issues because the rise of Islam is not very friendly to the gay population. And that's pretty much what we're talking about here. Uh, yeah, that's uh, they're not very friendly. And there's a there's a lot of a. Uh, there's a lot of gay issues. Maybe we should squeeze in right here, squeeze in right now, uh, the talk about uh, Kim Davis uh, talking about gay issues. Uh, this week, uh, we've entered into uh, becoming Nazi Germany, I think. Uh, uh, court clerk Kim Davis. U.S. judge has ordered that a Kentucky official be jailed for contempt of court after she repeatedly refused to issue marriage licenses to gay couples. Kim Davis has said that her Christian faith should exempt her from signing the licenses. The U.S. Supreme Court declared gay marriage legal in June. After interviewing her fellow clerks, the judge said Ms. Davis could go free if she allowed her deputies to grant the licenses, but Davis refused. Ms. Davis, an elected official in Rowan County, has said the Supreme Court's ruling conflicts with her beliefs as a born-again Christian. You can't be separated from something that's in your heart, in your soul, Ms. Davis said. I promise to love him with all my heart, mind, and soul because I wanted to make, make heaven my home. U.S. District Court Judge David Burning said he had no alternative but to jail her because issuing fines would not change her mind. Her good faith, her good faith belief is not simply a viable uh, defense, said Mr. Burning. Uh, Ms. Davis took an oath. Oath means things, but you know what? She took an oath to uphold the uphold the law, but then they changed the law that conflicts with her religious beliefs. Um, I have a problem with this because now we're crossing over to the. Is it the First Amendment that says we have the right uh, to uh, the uh, freedom of religion? Yep. So I think that's I think that's a, a big problem. Um, Josh Ernest made a statement uh, on behalf of the White House on the principle on principle the success of our democracy depends on the rule of law, and there's no public official that is above the law the rule of law. Ernest said that's a principle that is enshrined in our constitution and in our democracy, and it's it's one that's obviously the courts are seeking to uphold. I have to say, uh, do we have a little hypocrisy here that we only pick and choose which laws we uphold? Uh, Ted Cruz came out and put it perfectly. Uh, Ted Cruz said, I call upon every believer, every constitutionalist, every lover of liberty to stand with Kim Davis. Uh, I'll just read uh, part of this part of his statement today. Today, this is from Ted Cruz, presidential candidate that I'm not supporting, but only because he's born in Canada and I don't want to be a uh, hypocrite because in my eyes, Obama wasn't legal to be the president because he wasn't born in America. And so call me a birther, call me whatever you want. I'm just not stupid to believe the stuff that Obama's come out with to prove he was born in Hawaii. Um, so anyway, uh, just don't call me stupid. So anyway, uh, uh, today judicial lawlessness crossed into judicial tyranny. Today, for the first time ever, the government arrested a Christian woman for living according to her faith. This is wrong. This is not America. I stand with Kim Davis unequivocally. I stand with every American that, that the Obama administration is trying to force to choose between honoring his or her faith or complying with the lawless court opinion. 
In dissent, Chief Justice Roberts rightly observed that the court's marriage opinion has nothing to do with the Constitution. Justice Scalia observed that the court's opinion was so contrary to law that the state and local officials would have to choose to defy it. Would have to choose to defy it. For every politician, Democrat and Republican, who is tut-tutting that Davis must resign, they are defending a hypocritical standard. Where is the call for the mayor of San Francisco to resign for creating a sanctuary city, resulting in the murder of American citizens by criminal illegal aliens, welcomed by his lawlessness? Where is the call for President Obama to resign for ignoring ignoring and defying our immigration laws, our welfare reform laws, and even his own Obamacare? When the mayor of San Francisco and President Obama resign, then we can talk about Kim Davis. He went on a few more paragraphs, but I won't. I won't continue. I think this is total Nazi Germany, and I think it's total some two words that I can't say on the on the air. Um, well, I could say one of them. It's total bull. So I think this is this is this is huge, and most people out there didn't even hear about it. Well, that's true. Again, it's probably another underreported story, but I think it's kind of a good thing from the standpoint that it shows just how intolerant the political left is. I think it's uh, I think it's it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous where our country's going and it continue it continues, continues. Let's talk about uh, Black Lives Matter. The the Black Lives Matter uh, movement is growing more and more organized and more violent with each passing week. By now, most people have heard the new chant, which goes like... Pigs in a blanket, brown white bacon! 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 Pigs in a blanket, Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Oh... That's that's not that's not anything bad. That's you know there are you know people are. This is the biggest thing on the news now. You know it makes it makes it pretty clear how Black Lives Matter people feel about you know Black Lives the Black Lives Matter movement because white lives don't matter as they uh, as they showed when when uh, one of the Democrat candidates I think it was O'Malley tried to. tried to say well all lives matter not just black lives and they and they started protesting um for those who don't know pigs means police officers in a blanket means dead i don't think i have to tell you what fry them like bacon means but on uh, msnbc one of the leaders of that demonstration at minnesota state fair at the minnesota state fair i can't wait to see what happens when pomona i think pomona fair uh, just opened up this week um or it's about to open this weekend um I can't wait to see what happens there in uh, at the L.A. County Fair. But uh, at the Minnesota State Fair, said the chant was supposed to be playful. Do those activists, do you, do Black Lives Matter activists hate police officers? No, not at all. And I, I want to put that chant in context. Um, we had a great demonstration that day. It was very exciting. It was so exciting that I think the police who were along escorting the march or wanted to be a part of the march or a part of the demonstration. So on the way back. The officer leading the parade kept talking into his microphone and saying things to the crowd like stay off the medium, do that. He was laughing and joking with the uh, with the marchers. So then the marchers kind of started chanting that towards him. And it, it, it was more playful than anything. So. Um, so that was yeah, you're saying I, that that I, I was think, in a, that was in a playful context, that chant. Ex- at that particular demonstration, yes, that was because in the officer was laughing and joking along with uh, protesters. Oh, 
Give me a break. What do you think about that, Scott? Uh, this is that's it's such a stupid comment. I, I'm almost speechless. Uh, I'm sure the cops were chanting, "Yeah, fry us, yeah, good times." Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm sure that Obama would be giggling and laughing and dancing in the uh, in the streets in Iran when they say "Death to America, Death to America." You know, but this group isn't all about talk because two white officers were gunned down in cold blood this week uh, by the people who were believed to be inspired by Black Lives Matter movement, although. Although I saw uh, Richard Fowler on TV this morning saying, you know what, this, the Black Lives Matter doesn't have anything to do with cops being killed. This is about mental illness and guns. Okay, whatever. The first officer was Houston Sheriff's Deputy Darren Goforth. He was shot execution style while pumping gas into his police car last weekend. He left behind a wife and two kids. Uh, the gunman, Shannon Miles, uh, Shannon Miles was, has still not been formally associated with Black Lives Matter, and yet it seems pretty clear to me that he was inspired by them. Uh, yeah, I think this thing's been chanting going on about killing cops, and all of a sudden, cops are getting killed. And uh, from for the most part, it's by black people. And uh, so the Black Lives Matter thing, they, 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 no, probably no connection, probably no connection, probably just like the ISIS thing, call for lone wolf, lone wolf uh, attacks. Uh, aren't inspiring the Muslim people that are cutting people's heads off in America. Uh, but now the media is getting excited because it was revealed that Miles was found mentally incompetent to stand trial on a felony assault in 2012. On CNN, they're trying to change the narrative by making sure people that, that knew Miles had mental illness. It wasn't about Black Lives Matter. Let me play this. Now CNN has learned the suspect was previously ruled mentally incompetent. Back in 2012, Miles was charged with aggravated assault against a homeless man. Miles, also homeless at the time, was sent to a mental institution for six months. He then ruled competent, but the case never went to trial. The case never went to trial because he was mentally incompetent, and then they let him out after six months at a... uh convalescent home mental institution um ridiculous so it can't so, be considered a hate crime then in other words apparently you know i i want to get this straight okay when there's a school shooting we're not supposed to blame mental illness it's a school shooting you know it's we're not yeah it, the guy was mentally ill don't blame all mentally ill people but now it's okay to blame mental illness because it was a it was a, a black guy killing a cop unless he was a tea party person well, yeah, that that wouldn't be allowed. That no. wouldn't be allowed if it was a Tea Party person. Yeah. Then we'd just blame it on Tea Party. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's ridiculous. Let me play another piece of that clip. Even given the suspect's mental health history, one Texas sheriff still suggests the killing could have some relation to the Black Lives Matter movement, an ongoing uprising against police brutality. It isn't very far stretched to believe that. Uh, that kind of rhetoric could influence someone. Leaders of the movement say calls for police reform cannot be blamed for this senseless murder. Our mission is to end violence against black people and the fact that every 28 hours a black body is killed. Yeah, every 28 hours a black body is killed by another black body. So, uh, um, so at least, you know, at least President Obama called Officer Goforth's widow to give his condolences. You know, how about sending someone from the White House to the funeral, like you did with uh, Trayvon Martin and uh, Michael Brown? Yeah, let's do let's do that. Show that show the world that you care about white people, President Obama. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I never call him President uh, Barack Hussein Obama, because calling him President is an act of respect, and I don't respect someone who doesn't d- deserve it. The second officer that was killed was uh, Lieutenant Charles 
Glinowitz was killed on duty in Illinois, in, in Illinois on Tuesday morning. I think it's called a Fox uh, Fox Lake or something like that, someplace near Chicago. Uh, there's still an active manhunt for the three suspects believed to have killed the officer. They've been described as two whites and one black male. Uh, this is just another crime that has not been confirmed to be associated with Black Lives Matter. But it seems pretty clear that when you have a group chanting pigs in a blanket uh, in Minnesota and groups in St. Louis and Detroit and New York... Uh, chanting similar things that the hateful attitude towards police officers is going to trickle down to other parts of the country. Uh, these people don't need Black Lives Ma- uh, Matter members to be inspired by the movement. So, uh, you know, it begs the question, should Black Lives Matter be classified as a hate group? Elizabeth Hasselbeck asked this about on, uh, on Fox and Friends. She's asking a black conservative, Kevin Jackson, that question. Kevin, why has the Black Lives, movement, uh, black Lives Matter movement not been classified yet as a hate group? I mean, how much more has to go in this direction before someone actually labels it as such? Well, they should do it, but unfortunately it's being financed by the uh, the leftist. And ironically, it's it's people that have nothing, really no concern at all about black lives, uh, people like George Soros. And, of course, it's... It, it's a trickle-down theory on the trickle-down uh, on the left with this uh, going forward. But the, the sad part about it is the impact that it's going to have in the black community and the fact that it takes away so much thought about what really is the problem in the black community, which is a lack of black, whole black families. And what it allows people to do is sort of say, hey, let's point the finger at everything but where it really needs to point. Uh, if we had more black families whole in the, in the community, we, we right. would have a lot less of this. If we had clergy who were willing to support real issues and change in the black community, we'd have a lot less of this. And of course, we've got the Congressional Black Caucus who actually loves this type of strife. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing that most people don't realize that these people aren't going to work because George Soros is paying these people to go out there and protest. Uh, you know, that guy hit it right on the head when he talks about the real problems that are going on in the, back, the black community. Uh, a lot of fatherless households. Um, you know, it, this is these are issues that need to be addressed. And by the way, you notice there's a lot of white people. At least it looks like at least half of them are whites that are protesting in these because because they're getting a paycheck from George Soros. Hey, we're out of time for part one of the main event. We'll be back again in five minutes to continue this discussion. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman. In the studio with Scott McAfee of Don's Bikes. Yo, yo, Ed. I'm uh, I'm here from uh, Wholesale Capital, President. If you need to get in touch with me to get some. Uh, some real estate financing, 855-640-2020. And you know, some people say, I didn't even realize that you do real estate financing. Hey, I don't talk about it much because you guys turn the channel when I talk about real estate sometimes. So I try to keep it to the stuff you guys like to listen to. And quite frankly, I got a lot of opinions on a lot of things. So, uh, But if you agree with the way I think and you need real estate financing, call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. I will lead you to what's best for you. So we've been talking about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, we're talking about how uh, how these people have been basically paid by George Soros, and uh, they're I don't know what they're getting five thousand a month, three thousand a month. I don't know, but they're uh, a lot of them are are being paid to go out there and protest and do this. The liberal media is criticizing uh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck for calling Black Lives Matter a hate group. We don't want to offend anybody. Like Black Lives Matter, but of course, uh, didn't was it President Obama that called the uh, the uh, the Republicans the same as the guys chanting "Death to America"? Yes, in regards to the Iranian nuclear, another stupid thing that came out of his mouth. Ed. But they're criticizing Hasselbeck for calling Black Lives Matter a hate group. 
I don't know, but guess what? Someone even bigger than the Black Lives Matter group is calling for people to be killed. On August 4th, the notorious Nation of Islam leader, Louis Farrakhan, called for 10,000 blacks to rise up and kill people. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Islam is a, Islam is a, is a uh, peaceful religion. Don't tell me that religion does stuff like kill people. And we hear Louis Farrakhan say this. Retaliation is a prescription from God to calm the breath of those whose children have been slain. So if the federal government will not intercede in our affairs, then we must rise up and kill those who kill us. Stop them and kill them and let them feel the pain of death that we are feeling. What do you think he meant by that? You know, half the time I don't understand what Louis Farrakhan is even talking about because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but in this case, it's pretty obvious. Uh, this guy's a big fat crackpot who's laughing all the way to the bank. Um, you know, just like uh, Reverend Wright and a lot of these other race hate bait, race baiting hate mongers. Um, you know, yeah, and, and I'd like to know, yeah, when people start dying, are we gonna are we gonna haul his butt off to jail as an accessory to that? Uh, I would hope. And and for those of you that don't know, when you are driving down the street and you see a black gentleman in a uh, in a in a full suit uh, holding holding a bunch of papers and a pink box, I assume the pink box is pastries. That if you talk to him, you get a pastry. But those people are part of the Nation of Islam, and uh, and so I always drive by and don't even say anything to them unless they're yelling something, and then I let them know what number they are. And uh, if they yell something out, which they usually don't, they're usually just holding up their propaganda. But uh, So just in case you're wondering, is in addition, uh, Farrakhan has had has said that he approves of the Black Lives Matter movement. So this guy with thousands of African Americans look, looking up to him is calling for them to kill white people. And if that wasn't scary enough, Farrakhan is planning a big event in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the 20th anniversary of his Million, million Man March. That was a, 20 years ago already? Uh, guess what the theme is? Justice or else. Oh, okay. Well, I thought it was something like kill the crackers. Uh, I, I think it was... Uh, uh, I think it was... They were doing the Garrett Morris thing. I'm going to get me a gun and kill all the whiteys I see. That was a good good song he sang there on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I never heard it. You never have? No. No. All right. You must not be old enough. I guess not. You're much younger than me. I feel you. like I'm missing out on so much. We should we should get that clip from Garrett Morris on uh, the early years. of. He was like part of the first, the first uh, group of Saturday Night Live guys. Mm, okay. Okay. So anyway. I do remember Garrett Morris. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I got it. He was, he was singing a song in the... Uh, in the jail, he was in jail and a parole hearing, and he they, he was singing a song. He's writing music. I'm gonna get me a gun and kill all the whiteys I see. So, so anyway, kind of one, of, one of the early pioneers of the Black Lives Matters movement. Exactly, apparently, or uh, or maybe he's part of the Nation of Islam. I thought he was just a funny guy on TV. Mm. It didn't matter that he was black. It was just, you know, no big deal. So anyway, uh, uh, last week at the Democratic National Committee, 
Last week, the Democratic National Committee approved solidarity resolution in an attempt to align itself with the Black Lives Matter to score their own political points. The resolution says that the Democratic National Committee joins with Americans across the country in affirming Black Lives Matter, efforts to make visible the pain of our fellow and sister Americans as they condemn extrajudicial killings of unarmed African-American men, women, and children. But don't Democrats always say how dangerous the Tea Party is? And don't they blame every mass shooting committed by a white person on the Tea Party? Then, uh, then why are they showing solidarity with the Black Lives Matter? They're calling for the death of police officers. That's a pretty big double standard, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a joke. This is all political. Uh, it's all divide and conquer, classic Saul Alinsky garbage. Um, and it really it doesn't deserve the, the kind of media attention that it's getting. But it is. But it is. And the, Black Li- and the Black Lives Matter refused to accept the Democratic National Committee's endorsement. Wow. On the group's Facebook page, Black Lives Matter leaders posted this statement. We do not now, nor have we ever endorsed or affiliated with Democratic Party, with the Democratic Party or any party. The Democratic Party, like the Republicans and all political parties, have historically attempted to control or contain black people's efforts to liberate ourselves. True change requires real struggle, and that struggle will be in the streets and led by the people, not by a political party. Here's my comments on that. True change requires struggle, and that's called going to work and getting a job, spending some time with your kids and teaching them right and from wrong, and teaching them not to not to use uh, the fact that the color of their skin as a chip on their shoulder to tell to to blame everything all their lives as to what's going on on the white man, and go be Americans. And the African part doesn't need to be there. We need to be a colorblind society, and it's something that President Obama should have been saying all of the last eight years. He should have been saying, "Hey." We need to stop this. I'm the president. I was elected by black people and white people. It shows there's no more prejudice. There's no more there's no more limits to what we can achieve and it has nothing to do with the color of anybody's skin. He should have said that and that's what I think. Very well said, Ed. The only other thing I would say is look, in summary, this is the least racist country in the world and for, for like 90, 95% of the black people that live in the United States, this stuff has nothing to do with their daily lives and their daily experiences. Absolutely. So, uh, so getting off of the racial stuff, let's get on to uh, presidential candidate news. 7,000 pages of Hillary Clinton's emails were released by the State Department Monday, the largest release of her emails to date. Much of the media focused ha- focus has been on the humorous emails about Hillary's personal life, her favorite TV, TV shows, learning to use her new iPad, and one strange email, email about gefilte fish. Clinton said, sent to two advisors in 2010 that read, gefilte fish, where are we on this? For those of you that aren't Jewish, gefilte fish is some fishy little dish that Jewish people eat. It's disgusting and fishy. And uh, as a kid in a Jewish family growing up, I never ate it. I tasted it once and said, yuck, I don't want it. No, but we did have bagels and all kinds of good stuff uh, as part of the Jewish uh, Jewish uh, experience. But gefilte fish was not a good part of it. So, uh, But what's so important about those 7,000 emails were about 150 of them. Uh, were redacted because they contain information that is now being deemed classified. So weren't those 150, weren't they deemed classified before? Because that's not what's coming out. So we do get to see some sensitive emails, though. Here's a, here's a guess on Anderson Cooper describing some of them. Then just a few days later, there's an email entitled Lavrov. So we're talking about the Russian foreign minister. And all it says is from one of her aides, can you run the traps? And then the rest of it here is redacted. So it just shows from the mundane 
um, to the pretty sensitive. And then we're, there's an email uh, here from Sidney Blumenthal, a three-page email that talks about the crisis in Kyrgyzstan. And Sidney Blumenthal, as you know, was a very close advisor to Clinton, never made it to the State Department staff over objections from the White House. But he was still sending her kind of intelligence that he was gleaming from his sources. And it shows the relationship between Clinton and Blumenthal that I think has really been a focus, particularly of the Benghazi committee. And, and that's how this all started. Um, and then just a few days later, then they'll say then, and here's the, the CBS news reading an email between Clinton and an aide where she seems to be asking for a classified email to be declassified. In one exchange, former Deputy Chief of Staff Jake Sullivan tells Clinton he can't forward her a document she wants because it's on the classified system. Clinton writes back, it's a public statement. Just email it. Sullivan responds, trust me, I share your exasperation. But until Ops converts it to the unclassified email system, there is no physical way for me to email it. I can't even access it. You know, you know what I can't what I can't understand is. She had all her emails on her own server that wasn't secure. And as secretary of state, didn't she expect some emails were going to be classified? And once they get in, once somebody sends one to her, it's on her email server and it's not secure. Right. That's one of those duh questions that I haven't even heard asked, but it's quite obvious. She didn't even have a State Department email address. It doesn't sound like everything was going through her personal stuff. Yeah. And so she said, well, I I didn't none of the stuff that I had on my server, but everything that was sent to her was sent through that server. Right. So it doesn't matter if she sent it or if it said classified. Was that mean she wasn't going to open it? Because it doesn't have to be open to be access to accessible to other people. Right. I, I got to tell you, I'm really enjoying this slow death spiral of Hillary Clinton's campaign. It's kind of like Planned Parenthood. There's just like a new scandal that comes out like every week. Um, and as much as I really want to start singing Ding Dong, the witch is dead. And probably the only thing that will get rid of Hillary Clinton permanently is a good exorcism. I still got to feel really optimistic about where we are right now with this with her campaign kind of imploding. Yep. Just uh, just yesterday, a former uh, former aide Hillary Clinton who helped set up her private. This is this is you know what they say. If you have nothing to hide, don't. So uh, a former aide to Hillary Clinton who helped set up her private email server told at least three congressional committees that he will invoke the Fifth Amendment to avoid testifying against his former boss. I thought the I thought the uh, Fifth Amendment was to avoid testifying against yourself. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't realize that your former boss is. I know that you don't you can't be forced to testify against yourself or your spouse. I didn't realize a former boss qualified in that. Brian Pagliano, who worked on Clinton's 2008 presidential com- campaign before helping install the, so- the so-called homebrew server in Chappaqua, New York home, was asked to testify about the server by the House, by the House Select Committee on Benghazi, the Senate Judiciary Committee, and the Senate Homeland Security Committee. Pagliano reportedly pleads the fifth to all three committees, according to his attorney. Um, again, if you don't have anything to hide, you know, this just... If the if the if the American people are stupid enough, stupid enough to to uh, see this and and still think that she's qualified to be president, then I'm going to take another vacation to Australia and look for look for a new home. All right. Well, Ed, you know, there's been something I've been dying to share with you all week. 
Uh, I've got a friend who's a Democrat, and she's not only a Democrat, she's a hardcore Democrat, very politically involved. She's actually an elected official for San Bernardino whoa, whoa, County. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You have a friend? You, you pick your friends. I realize your sister's a Democrat, and my sister's a Democrat, but we can't pick our sisters. But you have a friend that's a Democrat? I do. You can have friends that are Democrats. And, and look, there's things we actually see eye to eye on. We're both against the Iranian nuclear deal. We're both pro-life. Uh, we're, we're both uh, supporters of Israel. You both like soup. Oh, sure. We both like soup. Um, but the point is that uh, this lady is, is probably one of the most fanatical Hillary supporters that I know. And needless to say, we have our political discussions. And I've been hearing nothing but for the past eight months. Oh, you guys have nobody that's going to beat Hillary. She's going to be unstoppable. You know, my response is, look, we haven't even picked a candidate yet. So don't be so uh, like overconfident. The funny thing, though, is I talked to her about a week ago and uh, and I said, oh, you know, what's going on? She goes, oh, I'm really I'm really disappointed. I said, about what? She's about Hillary and the whole email thing and how she's handling it. I'm like, really? I said, okay. Uh, I said, do you think she did something illegal? Do you think she broke the law? She said, yes. I said, okay. If one of the Republican candidates had, would have done something similar to what Hillary Clinton has been doing, what do you think would happen? She said they would be eviscerated. I said, okay. So bottom line is their campaigns would pretty much be over, right? She said, yes. I said, okay. And then she says, well, you know, Joe Biden's talking about getting in. I said, yeah, but there's only one problem. She said, what? I said, Joe's retarded. She said, yeah, I know. And, and then she starts talking about Bernie Sanders. So the more she's talking, the more I'm thinking, they really don't have plan B. I mean, Bernie the socialist Sanders. Bernie who said, you know, the Iranian nuclear deal is a step in the right direction. A step in what right direction? The direction towards the destruction of Israel, you moron. Um, by the way, I do a really good Bernie impersonation. Too. Let's hear it. Okay, hang on a sec. It's going to take me a minute to get into my inner Jew here. So <clears throat> hang on a sec. <laughs> Your inner Jew? Okay, okay, I'm ready. Hi, Ed. I'll tell you that Hillary Clinton's a schmuck. She talks about the top 1%. She talks about wealth redistribution. Ed, I'm a socialist. I wrote the book on this kind of stuff. Okay, you heard about that, that Hoyman Kane, the 999, right? Yes. Okay, I got, I got the Bernie Sanders 50-50-50 program. We're going to take the top 50% of wage earners. We're going to tax them at 50%. And then we're going to redistribute that wealth to the bottom 50%. I'm telling you, people all over this country are going to be scrambling to get to the bottom 50%. And let, let me say a word about Iran as well. You know, those, those, those Ayatollahs, they're, they're just misunderstood. They're good people. I'm telling you, if I was President Bernie, I'd go over to Iran. I would break bread with those mullahs. I would celebrate that, that Muslim holiday. What do you call it? Chaka Khan. I think that's what they call it. Chaka Khan. I would celebrate Chaka Khan with the Ayatollahs as president. Ed, what do you think? I think Bernie Sanders was talking about the 90 plan, wasn't he? <laughs> He's going to tax 90% of all of our income. You do, you do a better Jewish imitation than I do. And- Hi, thank you, Ed. Uh, look, the bottom line is plan A for the Democrat Party is going down in flames, and there really is no plan B. When they start digging out old names from the cemetery like Al Gore, uh, yeah, they said Al Gore's too preoccupied with global warming to actually run for president. Al Gore's too preoccupied with making unwanted advances to his massage therapist while he's flying on his private jet. Uh, there is no plan B. These guys are a bunch of losers. They're a bunch of old people. It's going to look like like senior appreciation day at Denny's when they line these guys up for the Democrat uh, debates. It's hard to believe that we don't have anybody. There's no, there's no Democrat. They don't have anybody who has a brain. <laughs> there's, no. there's nobody you can think of in the Democratic Party that has any resemblance i mean nancy pelosi is that the best they have it, i mean she's she's like 
she died like 20 years ago. <laughs> and then there's uh, Jerry Brown. Could Jerry Brown have stepped in? No. Another old moron. And he's be. he's got to be 80 now, right? Right. And right. Uh, who does that leave? There's nobody. We have dozens of people in... in Dozens of people in the in the Republican Party. Well, we have a dozen and a half people running, and uh, there's other people that we probably uh, could have considered running that didn't. We we almost have too many go, good people. They have nobody. Um, look, all I can say is this race, I think, is going to be. And I wouldn't have said this a month ago, but I think this race is going to be ours to lose if we blow this by putting the wrong candidate up there. Like I don't know Jeb Bush or. I don't know, maybe Jeb Bush. Uh, it's our fault. Um, there's no reason why we should lose this election. Coming back to also the Hillary scandals, you know, recently Uma Abedin. Do you know who Uma Abedin is? Yeah, Uma Abedin. She was uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, 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 assistant and the wife of uh, of the illustrious uh, congressperson, uh, Anthony Weiner. Correct, correct. Well, the guy she- who liked to text out pictures of his... Wiener. Another loser. Um, of course, she's coming under more scrutiny now because she actually simultaneously was working for the Clinton Foundation, you know, arranging for all of Bill's talks when he's going overseas to different countries. But she also worked for the State Department as well. While she's on, while she's on our paycheck, she's doing business for the Clinton Foundation. Correct. I mean, it's all one giant colossal conflict of interest. And here's one question I have with Uma Abedin. Why does she take her married name? <laughs> Uma Wiener. I mean, that's a fine name for a young Muslim woman, I think. I think um, so. And if they had a kid, they could name him Ima. <laughs> um, I'm a wiener. <laughs> that would be that would be good. Exactly. So that's that's Hillary. Uh, you know, look, and it's going to get even better, folks, because if you haven't heard, October 22nd, you know what's happening on that date? Hillary's going to be testifying before Congress regarding Benghazi. It's a no-holds-barred, no-time-limit interview where she's going to be up there against Trey Gowdy. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna bet on Trey Gowdy on this one. Trey Gowdy, I think I think he Trey Gowdy should could run for president. No, he could. Anybody else you could think of uh, run for president that that didn't that didn't get in this time that could be in the future? I don't even want to think of any more candidates. We I already think, have too many as it well, is. We had another one that was in the same. What that was in the uh, the what did they the the what committee the. Daryl Issa. Daryl Issa. I know you're Darryl, Yeah, Daryl Issa's Darryl, great. Daryl Issa's awesome. Look, I want the Daryl Issa's to kind of stay where they are because I love them in the roles that they're doing, just like Trey Gowdy, who's like a pit bull. Trey Gowdy is going to make Hillary Clinton look very stupid very quickly. I don't know about you. I'm going to. I'm almost looking forward to this as much as I am the president, the next presidential debate. I'm going to pop me a big, big bowl of popcorn, light on the butter because I don't really like too much of that stuff, and I'm going to enjoy the show. Because you've got that bike riding body. Well, I can kind of get away with it, but... I like heavy on the butter. All right, all right. Well, you have your heavy butter. We'll pop big bowls, Ed, and we're going to enjoy watching more nails being pounded into the Clinton campaign coffin. I don't think they're going to show that on C-SPAN, though, isn't no. it? Behind closed doors? Oh No, it's it's public. It is? It is public. You're kidding That's me. That's what I've heard. Because I, I heard Trey Gowdy saying that everyone everyone else was not going to be public. Oh, okay. Well, as far as I know, I mean, it could be wrong on this. I've heard it's public. We're going to have to... I hope they have... film it to, to be shown later. Maybe a judicial... What's it? Judicial... We uh... have to have Brooke research this really quick. If this is going to be a public hearing or not. It's got to be public. Come what's, on. What's the organization that seems to be able to get all the emails? And judicial Watch? Judicial Watch. Judicial Watch. They'll get a copy of the tape. Yep. And they'll put it on uh, Breitbart or uh, or edhoffman.net. They'll, yep. get, they'll get it out there. We'll all be watching it. Uh, good news about 
about the debate coming up. After receiving a great deal of backlash for using outdated polling to determine which candidates would participate in the Republican Republican debate on September 16th, CNN is amending its criteria, possibly opening the door for Carly Fiorina to, to participate. Previously, the network blamed the lack of national public polling the, the lack of national public polling, there's a public poll that comes out like every six hours. Um, so there's a lack of public polling following the August 6th debate, claiming that there were only three new polls to determine the lineup for the debate at the Reagan Presidential Library, which is co-sponsored by CNN and Salem Communications, which uh, is uh, the station that owns this. It's a company that owns this station. Um, but now... Any candidate who ranks in the top 10 in the polling between August 7th and September 10th will be included. Here's CNN political editor Mark Preston making his announcement. So what we've done is we've decided that if you are in the top 10 of polls recognized by CNN from August 7th until September 10th, but yet you were not captured in the original eligibility criteria window from July 16th to September 10th, then you would be included in the debate. I think uh, I think that's a good thing, and and then he also goes on and warns that there's no guarantee that Fiorina's participation because Fiorina is clearly the best debater out there. Uh, she she's always rock solid. She's always on cue. She's always she never has a uh, I don't know the answer to that one. She always has. She's always on. He went on to say this. Now, if the eligibility window were to close tonight. Carly Fiorina would be included. But I do have to emphasize at this point, we don't know the final podium positions because this window is going to stay open until September 10th. And we could see people rise. We could see people fall. But really, you could see potentially more than 10 people on stage. So that, well, how, if you're in the top 10 between August 7th and September 10th, how could they have more than 10 people on stage? That doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, I will say this, that, you know, there's a lot of people that are running. I've I, I basically, I just kind of wrote this out before I got it. There's only about seven people that even need to be up on that stage at all. The rest of them pretty much need to pack their bags and go away. Uh, that's Donald Trump. That's Ben Carson, uh, Scott Walker. Carly Fiorina. That's Ruby. my top four right there. Okay, there you go. Uh, Rubio, Ted Cruz, and John Kasich. I want Bush to go home. I want Bush to, like, take a new role. I've actually got a good job idea for him. You know that show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Oh, yeah. I'm va- I'm uh, vaguely familiar with it. Okay. Yeah. Can yeah. you say that? Vaguely yeah. familiar? <laughs> well, I think Jeb Bush should, like, try and see if they'll, you know, revamp that show. And I think he'd be perfect for the lead role. You know, put him in one of those cardigan sweaters. Have him kind of step out from behind a tool shed and say, you know, something like, you know, Hello, undocumented immigrants. Wouldn't you like to be my neighbor? Yeah, welcome to Jeb Bush's neighborhood. Yeah. Hey, did my uh, my wife Dawn was was we're looking at him uh, actually trying to be tough in uh, counter 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 punching against uh, Trump this week, and Dawn goes, she goes, what is it about his shoulders? What is it that he just looks like a doofus trying to act tough with his shoulders like that? And I just go, you know, he does he does look so unnatural trying to act like a tough guy with his shoulders slumped over and his little his big tall skinny um not tough guy body and he's trying to look tough with his shoulders all slumped over it's, it just it doesn't work well no, i know i know and i know you promised not to talk about trump much this time but when we talk about the jeb versus trump stuff this isn't going back and forth you look at donald trump's rallies they're pulling thirty thousand people out you look at jeb's rallies it looks like a dozen people in a senior citizen nursing home uh and i think most of them don't even know who jeb bush is they're actually just there to eat lunch exactly I mean, that's the I'm atmosphere ex- i'm anxious to see when you put uh 
uh, Trump on the same stage with Carly Fiorina. Actually, when it gets closer to the to the end, it's going to be very exciting. Okay, so next week, next week we're out of time now. So next week we're going to have uh, uh, Larry Elder on the on the show with me, and the following week, uh, Scott will be back in here discussing. The debate and our opinion of it before anybody else has a chance to give us their opinion of it. Folks, I'm out of time. My name's Ed Hoffman. That's Scott McAfee next to me. Thanks for being here, Scott. Ed, thanks. It's always fun. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>